0: I'm Gigi Johnson, and this is Amplify Music Conversations, where we captured the voices and music panels from the Amplify Music 2021 virtual conference. Over the course of the panels, you'll hear more than 100 panelists from a wide variety of cities and countries, each working in their local communities to recover from the challenges and changes of the pandemic. You'll hear about new community models, collaborations, and ways of organizing, each recovering and transforming their own music environment.
1: Amplify Music Communities is a global continuation of our Amplify Music Conference, where we take a journey around the world to take a look within the music ecosystems of various cities, regions, states, and countries. We'll hear what's happening at the ground level from leaders in these communities, Today, we'll take a look at Nashville, Music City, USA, and visit with consultant and writer Aaron McAnally, as well as venue owner Chris Cobb. Aaron, hello!
2: Hi, thanks so much for having me here today.
1: Oh, our pleasure, our pleasure. Well, I can tell from what you do, you're, you're the perfect person to hear from when we talk about Nashville. And uh, would you mind sharing with us what role you play and, and well, what roles actually you play in the organizations you're a part of and, and the communities within which you work?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, born into the music business; uh, it's, a, it's a family business, and I tried as hard as I possibly could to get away from it. Um, <laughs> so I went the academic route, uh, went to grad school in Hawaii, um, really tried to um, to run away, and then it sucked me back in. So I've worked in various parts of the music industry. I'm also from Muscle Shoals, Alabama, so very much still a part of that community, and um, and lived in L. A. for some time. So. Um, that's an extended community as well. But, um, but when I moved back to Nashville in my mid twenties, I started working in the record business. I worked in production. Um, I've worked as a music supervisor. I've worked for a composer, a major composer uh, I worked a little bit in publishing um, and all the while have, um, you know, written songs myself. So I kind of have uh, the run of the or sort of the lay of the land, if you will, of that side of the industry. And then I wound up working in the live world for a few years um, for a company called AC Entertainment. Um, so I worked in sort of festival realm for a while. So really got to know all the various aspects. And in fact, my mother ran my father's publishing company out of her house when I was a kid. So I kind of got that at-home education that way. Um, and then now my husband and I have a publishing company. So all that to be uh, said, I think I was sort of steeped in how complicated this industry is on so many levels, and I've always had sort of i call it an intrinsic interest in local government as well. <laughs> um, since I was in high school, I've been I've been working um, with local government in some form or fashion, and have always been very passionate about the Nashville community. So, as I, I guess. I'll say, you know, a few years ago, I grew up. Finally, <laughs> figured out what I wanted to do with all of those passions in the in the in the past. And so, I've been working for years now for an, an organization called the Artist Rights Alliance, and we do grassroots and education work here on the ground in Nashville. Um, and we take we do stuff online as well. We try we're we're trying to spread the word um, in other communities as well. But most of our work is on the ground here in Nashville. Um, and I've been working with them now since 2017. Um, we, you know, in the past have done a lot of education work, free education work for artists to be able to lobby on their own behalves. And then we sort of pivoted like everyone in the pandemic um, and tried to tried to be as helpful as possible in terms of resources, in terms of creating resources, resources. Um, and so that that work continues now. Now we're sort of melding our regular education work back in um, with what we've developed over the course of the pandemic.
1: Wow. Well, I, I, I know I st- I represent everyone in Nashville's music community and saying thank you for the, the work you've undertaken oh, through this absolutely. situation. What, what do you expect to be the biggest challenges in, in getting back to, I guess, what we call a new normal?
2: For sure. I think that there... This is not a unique phenomenon in Nashville. I think other places feel this pain too. Um, And in fact, I I think about it a lot, a conversation that I had with a friend who worked in the arts uh, department for the state in Mississippi, that it's sometimes hard to get local or regional government to pay attention to the arts in any other format than as a resource for tourism. Um, And so we experience that a lot in this city um, and the state, in fact, because I think people don't understand fundamentally how the industry works. So it's just, and, and also tourism makes a bunch of money. So I get it. But, but the only reason why the tourists come here are for the arts that come out of here. And so, you got to keep people here and you got to keep people in the community happy and comfortable and, um, and able to afford their basic necessities to live. And we're seeing so many people in Nashville leave, um, you know, before the pandemic already, but particularly during the pandemic, there was no, there was not a lot of support happening, um, but there was a big push for tourism. So that is something that um, I was hoping would, uh, would, it would be looked at at least. However, uh, I think the governor of Tennessee just launched a program this past week using tax dollars called uh, Tennessee on Me, uh, where they're paying for people to come to Tennessee <laughs> as tourists. Um, <laughs> so there's money. There's money to be spent, um, but it's not being spent on the residents, and that that is something that I think um, the community here. The the you know, we have truck drivers and makeup artists and lighting riggers and songwriters and all of these people these thousands and thousands of people that support this global music business that are here um and we have to support them otherwise it's it's going to be a diaspora of people leaving here so i think that that is that's my biggest concern um it's it's such a great creative community to lose it would be heartbreaking and i think that that's true in a lot of big cities with a creative community
1: Mm -hmm. yes and and if we get a chance, let's come back to that government role and, and what they've been doing. But uh, to, to, look, uh, to look ahead uh, positively, I guess, and, and, and also ask you to put your, uh, put your prognostications out, you know, what's, what do you think will be the promising trends ahead? Any, anything that, that, that looks, at least at this point, or you would guess to be very promising in the, in the months
2: ahead? Well it's promising that people are able to get back to work slowly but surely. Um you know the pandemic's certainly not over but it's moving in that direction hopefully and um you know my family is getting back out on the road which is a double edged sword for me. It's it's I'm happy for them but it's also, you know, um like here we go again. <laughs> um but it's but it's great. I mean I think I think a lot of people really, really missed being on the road. Um, some people, I think not so much. Some people <laughs> really, really miss it. And I think that that's exciting to get back to work. And I think that what is hopefully exciting is that a lot of people decided what they did or didn't like about the music business while they were forced to be quiet and sit and think about it. Um, and part of what is not to like about the music business Business is the revenue streams for recorded music, um, and I think hopefully there's some energy there in terms of um, in terms of lobbying for some different policy on that front because we are uh, it is in desperate need of, of reform if people are going to make a living because say another pandemic happens those checks you know those checks from the live industry going away there's not a lot not a lot rolling in the mailbox for most people um, from streaming so figuring that out long term I think that there is. Um, there's some energy there that maybe uh, hasn't been in the past, so I'm hopeful in that regard. Hmm.
1: Let's let's talk about that a little more. I I hear what you said that it gave artists plenty of time to think and sit back and think about the system in general and Mm -hmm. how it works or does not work in their favor. Mm -hmm. Um, Specifically to Nashville and the communities there, was there were there any existing issues there pre-pandemic that that are going to remain or or still need to be addressed that you can think of In terms of revenue streams you mean or Yeah, and in terms of revenue streams and how artists were supported were there any were there any things that were already not good pre-pandemic that still need to be fixed
2: Yeah, I'd say that there's a lack of support from local government um that has been there for a while. We've had different um, administrations that have had, um, have shown more support to that community, but it's sort of, I would say it's taken for granted uh, generally, which is bizarre in a place like Music City. I I, I think that, you know, uh, Austin's done an amazing job of supporting its its arts community um, and particularly its music community. Um, and, and in fact, Nashville does a, a decent job of, of celebrating its arts community, but it sort of has left... Uh, music to be freewheeling. Now, you know, if the, there are a lot of major organizations that are based out of here or have, have um, giant offices here and, and, that's great. That, But there are also so many working class musicians here that are not necessarily supported by that or are a part of a union. You know, there are a lot of people that are sort of um, outside of the uh, structure of the traditional music business, I guess, um, that could could use the support of local government. Um, so I know I keep, uh, <laughs> I keep bringing that up, but it is something that I feel really passionate about that the, that we do need to support our our arts or music community more as a city
1: yes and and we talked about that earlier in the conversation and and, and specifically about the government um it, it do, are there you mentioned i think one thing in place but is there anything else that you could see that that maybe maybe your government's considering at this point or anything in the lobbying arena going on to to help here
2: well, I will say that the um, the folks at Neva, like and Chris Cobb who will be on this program as well, did an incredible job of um, of whipping up support for live venues. That the and both on the federal level and the local level, um, they did a great, great job of of getting the attention. I think it's what I think what I am my focus has sort of been on individuals that might fall with outside of those boundaries, like, you know, there was a big rush to even be able to include a lot of people who are in the music industry in unemployment because they've never been considered in that before. If you're multiple types of income earner, there was no unemployment for you. So that took a lot of lobbying um, on the federal level to, to make that happen. Um, so I think there's not a lot in place for individuals. There are, mm-hmm. there are some grant programs um, in place for, for, um, like local venues, that kind of thing, but not not really anything substantive for individuals so that a lot of that aid came from individual nonprofits or um, or donations in the beginning. And a lot of that dried up as the pandemic wore on. So
1: mm-hmm. um yeah, I, I understand from our research that uh, a lot of folks, uh, uh, as opposed to some communities where artists have dual incomes, they have the artist gig and then they have something else going on that, that a lot of folks in Nashville are 100% in uh, on music. And you mentioned uh, all of the people involved in, in the touring industry that we don't think of ordinarily, and uh, I can see that huge effect. Um Definitely. Uh, anything else uh that uh you would add that uh in regards to the group you've uh got artists rights alliance and anything else that uh you you see ahead for that group uh, in in terms of accomplishments and goals that you're trying to achieve
2: sure um Well, there's, you know, I think people are sort of sorting out what's going on on the policy front. The Artist Rights Alliance was very involved in the Music Modernization Act. We've done a lot of education work around the the sort of rulemaking post that law um, coming into effect. So we've we've done quite a bit of uh, like sort of uh, class slash panels on that topic. We've worked with the Copyright Office um, to launch a public symposium on unclaimed royalties. We've sort of been... um, been in touch on that regard. In that regard, we um, are also, um, I I work with the Mechanical Licensing Collective um, to help with some education work there. Um, we do some work with Sound Exchange as well on what what's come out of the Music Modernization Act there. There are some things that didn't make it into the Music Modernization Act that I think people are um, starting to hopefully get some traction on as well. Um, so I think there'll be a lot policy-wise that has been paused for the last 18 months essentially um, as we scrambled to figure it out on the day-to-day basis that we'll be launching in the next year or so. I see. And finally,
1: Nashville was uh, one of the huge growth communities, especially for music jobs prior to the pandemic, as you're well aware, I'm sure. Yes. Um, and do you see those jobs as, um, you know, what, what do you see in the future there? Is that, is that, is that trend going to, to regain its strength or has that, you know, is that something that needs to be addressed?
2: That's a good question. The I don't know in terms of the, the sort of major companies. I know that some of the smaller companies are starting to think about hiring back. Um, and this is post-pandemic, obviously, but that's that's the reality is that that's where we are um, and, w- and what the scope of things looks like. I don't know if all the salary jobs are coming back. Um, you know, I think that there, there might be some commission-based jobs that are sort of testing the waters. But while this is all getting sorted out, I think that... Um, I, I don't know that it's possible to predict that trend. Obviously the city's growing, but now that people aren't necessarily needing to work from offices, do they need to be in Nashville? I'm not sure. I don't know what that, that trend is going to look like. I do know that um, it, it feels like the the trend in the city's attempt to bring jobs here is more based in the tech world. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that's a, a push to bring more music jobs here or not. I have not. Delved, in, delved into that but um yeah
1: okay great great <laughs> well, well thank you you know it's it's again you're so appropriate to this conversation your insights yeah. because you are a creator and you're doing uh, so much in the education realm and in policy uh so so uh, your insights are very valuable to this conversation and i thank you for for chatting with me today
2: Absolutely, thanks for having me
1: We just heard some great insights from Aaron McAnally. Now let's hear from a venue owner in Nashville, Chris Cobb. Hello, Chris.
3: Hey, Storm, how are you?
1: I'm great. I'm great. I understand we're both experiencing 100-degree weather right now, and I appreciate you being here, uh, and I hope you're inside where it's cool as opposed to me. But anyway...
3: (laughs) Happy to be here, and, uh, and, and Nikki's happy to be here, too, if you see her creeping into the screen. I got my dog with me today.
1: Yes, hello Nikki, and uh <laughs> thanks for joining us. Well, uh I really appreciate you being here again and uh if you could start off just by telling us what area of music you're involved in and and your background and what you're up to these days.
3: Yeah, certainly. Um so my company um uh, owns and operates Exit In first and foremost, which is uh, a 50-year-old, 500-capacity music venue um, in, in uh, you know the neighborhood of Nashville that we kind of call the Rock Block because of Exit In is where the neighborhood got its name. So, um, again, we're celebrating 50 years this year. So the club opened in '71 uh, and has been here at that location uh, ever since. Um, additionally, uh, we do some. Uh, booking work for outside clients, um, and some marketing uh, and ticketing work for some outside clients. So um, I have booked uh, a a festival here called Live on the Green for the last 12 years, which is a, a free outdoor event that takes place in downtown Nashville um, every Labor Day. And uh, and we have some corporate clients who we do some booking work for as well. Uh, in addition to that, um, I founded, co-founded, uh, and am president of Music Venue Ala- uh, Music Venue Alliance Nashville, uh, which is our local uh, independent venue advocacy uh, nonprofit that we founded during COVID last year, uh, and am also uh regional chapter president uh for neva the national independent venue association
1: so so you do a little bit obviously <laughs> i don't know when you sleep with all, with that kind of workload but uh i i would say that uh you represent then the the live music community in nashville and uh, and the communities nationally through Neva and this uh, uh, other work you do with them, um, the uh, you know let's get straight to let's let's talk about Neva and what you've just been through and are still going through with with the uh, the pandemic. Um, what what has your, been your role really in dealing with that? That situation in Nashville, this music venue alliance has that been? Uh, you say it formed during this this uh, this pandemic. Has has that been a a community around which all of the venues there have gotten together? And what does the membership look like?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, you know, I got a text uh, last March from Dana Frank that said, "Hey, you need to jump on." Uh, this town hall this Thursday um, that Marauder is hosting. You know, this was a week into the, the pandemic, right? Um, and, uh, and so I did, and, and NEVA was formed very quickly out of those weekly town halls. Um, Exiden was a, you know, a founding member of NEVA um, you know, a year and a half ago, I guess, at this point. Uh, my role there is on the advocacy committee Um, first and foremost. And that was the group of about two dozen people who worked on uh, passing the federal legislation, uh, the SOS Act, that became the SVOG, Shuttered Venue Operator Grant Program, that has been administered by the SBA, uh, providing grants, uh, federal grants, um, to our industry. Out of NEVA um, and you know, my participation and activity there uh, was came the idea to form our own local group. Mm. Um, but it's not entirely true. We, we we'd had the idea for a few years, but uh, I think, you know, participation in NEVA and learning from colleagues across the country and, you know, also having some extra time because all of our businesses were closed, uh, you know, gave us the the opportunity to go ahead and get formed locally as well. So Todd Olhauser, who owns um, the Mercy Lounge Complex, and I formed our local nonprofit, Music Venue Alliance Nashville, I think it, you know, around April of last year, um, and it's been amazing. So we've got um, you know, all the independent venues and town are members, that's 15. Um, you can check the member list at MVAN.org if, if anyone's interested in seeing you know, who the independent venues here in Nashville are. Uh, and we're really active. Um, we're really active. It's been it's been great on a number of levels. I think our uh, you know our top tier achievements, if you would, uh, was a, a local grant program which provided two million dollars in grants to Nashville's independent venues. Uh, so uh, you know we advocated for uh, that legislation and got that passed on the local level. And then the other one um, that I think was you know that we're pretty proud of. Was a, a streaming um, series that we developed in conjunction with the Nashville Convention and Visitors Corporation, um, which streamed, I think, 50 shows. I'm trying to remember, you know, it seems like so long ago now, even though it was just last fall, but a lot's happened. Um, I think 50 shows from the 15 venues, uh, yeah, two or three, you know, uh, two or three bands each. And so it was great because what it did is it, um, you know, it breathed some life into our local community here um, and gave us the opportunity to uh, have artists perform on our stages, which had been closed for months at this time. It put some money in the bank um, for the venues. It put money in the artist pockets and it allowed some of our tech staff to come in and get some work and get paid as well. So um, those those were the two main initiatives that that MVAN undertook um, last year. Um, and, and then I think, that, you know, the, kind of, the, the part that goes unspoken um, most of the time is is the community and the moral support that these organizations have provided for all of us and, um, you know, depending on the day, uh, 10, 15 to 80% of, of our calls might just be, you know, how's everybody doing? Um, a, a lot, of, especially early on, you know, a lot of the calls end up Completely off of agenda, and uh, just gave us all a place to, um, you know, to be able to share what we're going through and and get that moral support that we've all needed so much over the course of the last eighteen months. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Al, it, clearly you've had some accomplishments amidst all of the challenges during this time. What what do you see as the challenges ahead? The rest of twenty one and into twenty two. What do you see as
3: the biggest challenges? Oh my goodness. Um, well, uh, you know, I think there's two main sectors of challenges and, and one is the segment of challenges that existed, um, you know, for the creative working class communities, um, the people and the businesses that support those communities. And uh, there was a large set of challenges that existed for us pre COVID. Uh, you know, the main ones are uh, development, um, gentrification, uh rising rents, rising cost of living. Uh, these are major issues that that were affecting us all pre-COVID. Uh, unfortunately, we saw an acceleration of many of those issues during COVID while the creative working class communities were fighting to survive. Uh, those factors that were already negatively impacting our communities were able to thrive. Uh, And so that's a major, major issue going forward. Um, The other one is COVID, right? Uh, You know, um, uh, it's not over. Uh, I spent this morning looking at heat maps, um, researching uh, county and municipality uh, mandates, orders, rules, suggestions from across the country, um, looking at uh, hospital bed availability, um, and starting some dialogue with our team here at the club uh, about what we should start to think about and plan for uh, as we see uh, COVID rates continue to to rise, especially here in uh, you know in the state of Tennessee, which I think as of today is is forty seven out of fifty um, states for for vaccination percentages.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, we we still don't know where this is going as we record this and and have this conversation. Who knows? And and I would imagine that uh, your your community is is having to tackle the question of what next and what do we do in light of those mandates or or lack thereof. I'm I'm sure that's absolutely a challenge.
3: Yeah, big time. Uh, you know, uh, thankfully. Um I think we uh, were forced to learn how how to be super flexible um, over the course of the last year and a half in our industry. Um, And uh, so we've got a lot of practice with that. I think um, the other side of that coin is, you know, how real the exhaustion is at this point, Um, you know, for, for our, uh, for our, for our team, for our security staff, our bartenders, our back of house team, um, you know, it's hard. It's been really hard um, mentally. And uh, so I think it's, nobody wants to have to deal with it, but the reality is, is that it's here. And so, um, you know, I just ask, I, I ask the public, I ask customers, um, fans of live music uh, to, to, to come out um, when you feel safe and just to please be patient. Uh, with our industry, uh, as we continue to try to figure out how to how to keep everyone safe and have live events at the same time, mm-hmm.
1: and and to that point that you're making that, I understand that Nashville, of course, is one of the largest employers of folks in the music business, and and especially in the live music business. There, uh, you you've got a lot of folks. To, are they coming back yet? To the venues, or have they sought other careers? Have they, have have they moved on, so to speak, or are they are they still your staff uh, and and working, you know, to to get back to normal? I guess.
3: Yeah, yeah, a little bit of both. I mean, um, a little bit of both. Uh, we've, I have felt really fortunate that we were able to get. Almost all of our full-time team back together uh, after you know being out of work for fourteen-ish months. Um, you know, I think that's just a testament to uh, the members of our team here and um, how dedicated they are uh, to their chosen profession. And um, you know, I think uh, that that's that's really all it says is that that those six people love this enough that they figured out how to ride out the pandemic and ride out being unemployed um, and wanted to come back knowing what they were going to be up against Um, uh, you know with our part-time team all of our event staff security bartenders etc we've had a lot of loss um, of those team members we've had a lot of people who literally physically moved and no longer live here. Um, I think we're going to continue to see that as, uh, you know, as, as we continued so much change globally, um, people are moving and uh, it's just, it's going to be a factor for employment. Um, yeah. We saw a lot of folks move on. We've seen some folks who uh, still live here, but just didn't want to come back. Um, and we've seen some folks who came back and then, decided that they didn't want to stay, Um, you know, mostly out of, um, out of COVID concerns, right? Um, Mm -hmm. We're, um, we're paying more than we used to, than we did pre pandemic. Uh, And we've still got folks who just said, you know, um, this isn't for me anymore. Most of those people I would fit into the category of, you know, part-timers who have another gig, who would work uh, in music, you know, for fun and for a little bit of extra cash. And, uh, to, you know, it's not their full-time or not their main gig. It was a side gig. And we've had some of those folks say, you know, I just, not right now, you know, not right now.
1: Okay. Let's turn the lens a little more rose-colored, I guess. What, what are some positive trends that you might think are ahead? Any promising Trends you're seeing, or anything you're seeing that that uh, bodes well for the future?
3: Wow, um,
1: <laughs> I, know, I know that's that's I, a tough one right now as we sit here today.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, my, my I I don't spend a lot of time thinking about positive trends right now. Unfortunately, I, I spend a lot of energy thinking about. Um, you know how we're going to keep the train on the tracks. Uh, we've been open for almost two months now after 440 days of closure. Um, it's been good. Um, it's been great at moments. Um, you know, for morale and mental health, it's been great for our community, um, for artists, musicians, um, creative working-class people. Um, for so many of us, uh, we do this because we love it and not having it around uh, was terrible for mental health. And so that aspect, uh, having live music back uh, has been unbelievably positive for so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the big positive. And, and I think that um, you know I, I don't think we're going to have a complete shutdown again. Um, I think that's a positive, um, I think we'll figure it out, um, past that, you know, it is, uh, it is a lot of, um, you know, looking at numbers that aren't great. Uh, and I'm talking about financially, um, uh, coming out of a long closure and then uh, incurring all of these initial restart costs, uh, you know, has, has set us, um, you know, look. I'll be direct about it. Um, we lost more money in our first month of closure uh, than we lost in our first. I'm sorry. We lost more money in our first month being open than we lost in the previous month when we were completely closed. So, it's uh, we're losing more money operational right now, um, which is what we were saying during closure. You know, to government agencies who, you know, we were lobbying and petitioning for assistance was hey. Um, you know, when they're saying, well, why are you closed? We were saying, here's why, look at these numbers. And you know, now we can see that from the other side, which is now we're open and losing more money than we were closed. Uh, that'll change, right? With time, that will change as long as we're able to um, you know, operate at a capacity and put enough people in the, in the facilities to, to be profitable. Um, because the reality is, is that insurance rates haven't come down. Uh, rent hasn't come down. Uh, these you know massive overhead costs that that uh, that we incur on our side of the industry haven't come down. So we we have to be able to figure out how to keep our revenues up. Um, so sorry, I know you're trying to go rose colored, but um, that's what I got. Well,
1: I totally understand. And you mentioned in 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 your comments that artists and creators are coping with mental health among other issues. I know you mentioned earlier in our conversation that uh, you all started a streaming program during COVID and what other what other support mechanisms have been in, put in place or what program initiatives have been put in place to help artists either either current currently as we sit here today or for the future. What does it look like for artists? What 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 opportunities will we have for them going forward?
3: Um, from a uh, from a, like, uh, sorry, Storm, uh, rephrase that one for me, so I. I'll if, keep it.
1: I'll, I'll I'll word it a little better. Okay, thanks. Um, so artists and creators in your community, yeah. what what's it look like ahead for them coming out of this pandemic, and what initiatives might there be? Put in place to support them going forward.
3: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it continues to be to be challenging. Again, you know, we we all make a living uh, by packing people together in a in a tight space for a number of hours, and so <laughs> uh, you know, we've just got to get to a point um, where we're able to do that again, and, and we're just not quite there yet. So, you know, we need we um, we've, we've got to have. Uh, we've got to have social safety nets for these communities. We we've got to have more support for the creative working class. We need uh, and and we need a long-term grant program uh, in cities uh, like Nashville um, that uh, are so driven by a creative culture, you know, specifically live music. We've got to see our elected officials, step up and be willing uh, to allocate resources towards programs that support the creative working class when the culture is built on the backs of those people. Additionally, when we have large corporations moving into cities that are so driven by a creative culture, we've got to see these corporations be willing to step up and say, We're here in large part due to the culture of this place, and this is our commitment to supporting it, right? We see Amazon, for example, moving into town and making a commitment towards affordable housing uh, here in Nashville. That's a great commitment. That's a need that we have here that our creative working class specifically has here is being able to affordably live in our urban core. So that's a step in the right direction. You know, I propose uh, a creative working class bill of rights, if you will. Um, When we have the Amazons of the world, the Oracles of the world uh, coming to our city, sitting down with members of city council and saying, this is our plan for your district. This is what you want to do. Sitting down with the mayor's office, sitting down with economic development chairs, we need to have a seat at the table creative working class community, the people and the businesses in those communities in these places need to be at that table from the start and be able to say that these are our needs and this is how we expect you to support these things when you come to town.
1: Well, thank you for addressing how government and public policy can support those those activities and and yes, a very key to what's going on. And we hear that in a lot of communities. You mentioned a bill of rights. Did you say is that a is that a a, a, a wish list item or is that something that's in progress for you?
3: It's not in progress yet. Um, I, I, I wish it were, um, but uh, I, I believe it's a great uh, tool um, mm-hmm. that can be a public facing tool. Um, And that can also be used in conversations um, with the private sector, with government to say, uh, you know, this is what our musicians um, deserve to have in Music City. Right. Uh, Affordable housing, affordable transportation, uh, be able to make a living wage doing what they love and creating the culture uh, that brings so many people to town
1: especially in Music City, where I know music tourism is a big
3: deal there, correct? It's a huge deal. Yes, it is. Um, But, you know, it's not just here. Uh, If you go and cross-reference the cities uh, and municipalities that tout and market and talk about uh, a music culture and you cross-reference that list of cities, with the list of the most rapidly growing cities in the country, you're going to see that it's the same list. So Seattle, Austin, Denver, Nashville, uh, these places that are growing so rapidly, it's not a coincidence that live music is a huge part of the culture in these cities.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for that. Those comments. Uh, you mentioned earlier the Independent Venue Alliance. Did I get that name correct? The Independent M- Venue Alliance there locally, uh, Music Venue Alliance Nashville. Music Music Venue Alliance Nashville. Thank you. Uh, what other organizations or initiatives have sprung from from this situation that you can think of?
3: Well, I know you spoke with Aaron Mack and ally um, you know, who's been a great advocate for musicians specifically in Nashville. Um, so she, you know, she was able to do some great work, um, and work on a micro grant program here, um, for specifically for the creative working class. So we did see a little movement there. Um, you know, it's, 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 uh, I hate to say it, but, um, not much Mm. in, in music city at this point. And, um, you know, I think the uh, the positive side to that is that we have a great opportunity um, to do some great work and make some progress, some much needed progress um, in our city. Uh, the hard part is that it's a lot of work, uh, and it's it's you know mostly volunteer work um, at this point. And um, so, you know, we're having the conversations and we're 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 making the time and. Um, the right conversations are being had. Uh, but today, uh, there's not a lot of um, actual organization or new organizations that exist uh, to address the issues that we've been talking about. Uh, I, I'm very hopeful that you know, we're able to keep the train on the tracks. I think Music Venue Alliance Nashville created a great foundation um, over the last year and a half. Uh, what we have now that we didn't have before is A, uh, we have really close relationships between these independent venues. Um, And that didn't exist on the level that exists now. And that's huge. Uh, So much can be done um, just out of the fact that we talk every two weeks, we meet every two weeks and we're sharing information and ideas and helping each other uh, as a community. So that's a huge positive and a foundation level that we can build from. Um, the other thing is uh, that, you know, we, um, we've got uh, members of the mayor's office, the mayor himself, members of city council, uh, recognizing us, uh, using the term independent venue. Uh, this is brand new, you know, pre-our organization, pre-COVID, believe it or not. That didn't happen even here in Music City. So um, we've come a long way, uh, and again, we've built a great foundation. I think now we've got to figure out how to build up from there. Um, you know, we, we our board met this week on Monday, and and um, uh, you know we have some specific uh, some, some specific action items that that we've got to to figure out how to achieve, and uh, ultimately uh, we need staff. We need people who aren't volunteers um the the you know now that businesses are back open uh the volunteers have to go back to work uh you know the people who got us this far and so so we've got to be able to figure out how to pay people which means we've got to fundraise (laughs) and uh, that's Mm -hmm. where we are today is is wrapping our head around um funding you know for organizations like music venue alliance nashville on the national level national independent venue association uh, desperately needs funding right now. Um, again, we've come so far, uh, but this is the next step.
1: And and you all have accomplished so much. Uh, I, I hear you when you say that you've brought venues together. Folks are communicating more than they were pre-pandemic, if you will. And that's a positive. Were there any issues before the pandemic that be it gentrification, be it anything that was already a problem before the pandemic that still exists once we come out of this, you think?
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the the issues that existed before, um, unfortunately, uh, have been, for the most part, heightened at this point. Um, You know, the, the good news is we're organized on the other side, for the first time ever, so um, we're in a much better position as a community to push back than we were, uh, which is good because uh, it's coming and it's coming fast. You know, a couple of specific examples: uh, uh, noise violations. Uh, you know, I, I am—I uh, talk to people around the country because of Neva now every week. Uh, I'm on calls with um, you know colleagues around the entire country. And, uh, and as soon as, as soon as markets started opening back up, started, people started talking about, oh, we're getting noise complaints. Um, never had noise complaints before, but after a year being closed, now that we're reintroducing noise to a neighborhood that continued to gentrify while we were closed, um, we're, we're receiving noise complaints and we never had that happen. And I, I, the first couple of weeks I said to myself, I'm not gonna have to worry about that one. It's music city. Um, we're going to be fine. And, and then, you know, it just took a couple of weeks longer to get here and it happened here. And we've got a club that's been open for 30 years, um, that, uh, a a small house that was behind it was, was torn down and seven three-story condos that are 100% Airbnbs were built in the place of this one old home. Um, And Airbnb guests are complaining to management about the noise coming from a 30-year-old music venue. And the owner of the complex is complaining to the venue's landlord. And so now there's great pressure on this 30-year-old independent venue in Nashville, Tennessee, to reduce the noise that they've been creating in that neighborhood for three decades Uh, So that's that's one, you know, and and we're working on it here and a lot of people are working on it across the country. Uh, We are into the code. You know, again, we're fortunate to have advocates on city council. We've got a great council right now that's making some great progress in our city. Uh, And so I, I, you know, I feel I I feel confident that we'll be able to make some positive change to the ordinance here. Uh, You know, to me, it's pretty simple. Uh, If the neighborhood was built around uh a music venue then that music venue should be exempt from the code uh it, to me it's pretty straightforward uh another simple way i think to put that would be who was there first mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know if you chose to move next door to a a, a music venue then you should expect noise um uh, especially in music city usa so so that's one we're working on um and then, uh, you know, the big one, of course, is development. Um, you know, and this one hits close to home. I mean, I'll, I'll speak to exit in, uh, you know, quickly. Um, our buildings sold um, right before the Fourth of July uh, to a company that develops hotels. Um, you know, we have a, a little bit of time left on our lease. And we don't know what is going to happen after that. Uh, we have not had any conversations about an extension. Uh, so the future is, you know, very murky uh, for this 50-year-old venue and for several others in town um, who are dealing with similar situations where their properties are selling and, and uh, you know, they don't know what the future holds.
1: Yes, we, uh, you know, I, I know your situation there made made national headlines what you were going through with that developer and, and, and the situation with the lease. And, and we are rooting you on, I know you have lots of support from the music community and Neva and all your partners. And I hope that, I hope that works out.
3: Yeah, I appreciate it. And I'll soapbox it. If you'll give me one second on it, um, Absolutely, you know, uh, just, just to, to, to try to close it up on that subject a little bit, but uh, yeah, at the end of the day, um, it's about it's about property value, and uh, and you know we've got to do work to ensure that um, independent businesses, whatever they may be, uh, music venues, bookstores, restaurants, um, record stores, all these great places that that make our neighborhoods places that we want to be. Um, we've got to figure out a way uh, when ultimately these property values increase, which Generally, they do. Uh, And, you know, it's not lost on me that it's these types of businesses that typically make the neighborhood what it is and drive the rise in property values, right? Um, We've got to figure out a way to be able to transfer uh, that value out of that property and and allow the business that built the neighborhood to remain in place. Uh, Nashville has a a pretty cool new um, rule uh, called a transferable development right um, that allows, uh, allows you to do just that. And, uh, I'll use exit and as, as an example. Again, this building is two stories tall. Um, it's been here since the thirties. Um, obviously the, the value of the property has increased quite a bit. Um, it's zoned for about uh, 80 feet, you know, so let's just call it eight stories instead of two that we have currently. Uh, that means there's six stories above this club. Uh, that really hold the majority of the value in the property, which means it's going to be torn down uh, to get the property out for the owners of the building, right? Um, So TDR, transferable development rights, means that as the owner of the property, you can sell that six stories of airspace, to a developer who can transfer that six stories of development rights to another development site in town where they wouldn't have been able to build that additional 60 feet due to the existing code and regulations in that area. So I think this is a great model um, that allows us to get the money out of the property and keep the building in place. Ultimately, Mm. of course, the one other big step that we have to work towards is getting the buildings, the dirt, if you will, the ownership of that into the hands of the longtime operators. That's the other big one that we've got to figure out how to check.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, very interesting. And thanks for giving more uh, detail, uh, the, the kind of stuff we don't see in, in many of those stories about your situation. So I appreciate your insights and, and explanations as to what's going on. Exit in fifty years. Congratulations, and uh, quite an accomplishment. And um, as we close out, I'd I'd like to ask a more personal question about you. The pre, or, uh, let's say the February twenty twenty version of you talking to the February twenty twenty two version of you. How how different will that be for you?
3: Um, extremely, extremely different. Extremely different. Uh, I mean, personally, I, I feel like I have learned so much um, in, in the last 18 months and, and continue to do so. And um, and that's certainly not, not special to me. We, we've all learned a lot. Um, we've all learned a lot um, over the course of the last year and a half. Um, I, I think further, you know, I, I feel very fortunate to have to been in this community um, of unbelievable industry leaders, um, you know, getting invited to, to be part of NEVA early on was such a massive blessing. Um, to be able to connect with uh, the best of the best, um, you know, the Dana Franks, the Gary Witts, um, to be able to talk to people in D.C. and California uh, every week, week after week. Um, about how they do things and what they're seeing uh, has been an unbelievable, um, you know, personal blessing for me uh, personally, professionally, um, you know, so much growth uh, just due to this network and these people who've been so um, generous and, and willing to give of uh, their time and their gifts. So, um, so I just hope, you know, I'm able to, to pass some of that on and, um uh, and, and and help continue to be a leader here in my little slice of the world in nashville um so that uh you know ultimately we continue to make a better world for all of us.
1: Hmm. Well, you are truly a leader in Nashville, and I so appreciate your insights you've shared with us today and uh your making time out of your very very busy schedule to chat with us. Chris, uh, best of luck with everything that's going on, and um, uh, thank you again. Thanks, Tom. That concludes our conversations with two leaders in the Nashville music ecosystem. Thank you for listening to this edition of Amplify Music Communities. Learn more by going to amplifymusic.org forward slash communities where you can subscribe to our podcast for more episodes.
0: Well, thanks for listening to Amplify Music Conversations. We hope you enjoyed this discussion and come back to listen to our other podcast episodes, either following us in your favorite podcast player or at amplifymusic.org or even on YouTube. And you can find a way to sign up for our email list and join our various groups on Facebook and on LinkedIn. We'd like to thank the Institute of International Business at the University of Colorado Denver, who sponsors this podcast series, as well as the conference sponsors Mia, UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music, the Creative Arkansas Community Hub and Exchange, Ben Zugel, Tully, and Lyric Find. We've had great support putting this conference together this year, and we look forward to continuing these conversations with you through this podcast. Thanks for listening. You have found one of our adventures now in the marimel Podcast Network. You can find our shows everywhere that you listen to podcasts. We've got Amplify Music Conversations from the Amplify Music Conferences during the pandemic, Creative Innovators, and now Innovating Music. If you're interested in following up with us in any of these shows, please reach out on our websites and you can find those in the show notes.